So, um, uh, welcome to another episode of the Nuclear Medicine Molecular Medicine Podcast. We're at the Society of Nuclear Medicine meeting 2018 in Philadelphia. And um, uh, we're going to cover a topic that we've covered a little bit previously on the, on the podcast, and that's about some of the machine learning, deep learning aspects, and, and some of the other new radiomics uh, variables that can be used um, to interpret all kinds of images, not just pet images, but but but, but largely pet images. I suppose pet images are a little more quantitative. So um, I'm going to talk to Dr. Uh, uh, Armand Ramim, yeah. yeah. And he's from uh, John Hopkins. That's right. That's right. Um, um, and uh, let's start by talking about uh, what what advantages can be added by adding in radiomics and uh, and deep learning? Absolutely, yeah. it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I am actually transitioning from Johns Hopkins to University of British Columbia. Well, I'm, I'll be involved with both centers. So the so are we discussing emerging themes or? or well, we can talk about talk about what you talked about. So so we're we're running this categorical right now. Where obviously there's a lot of excitement in the air about both radiomics and machine learning. We've kind of kept it open because. You know, people have different opinions about which one's going to dominate. Um, some people do think that machine learning is the future of radiomics because in radiomics you're explicitly defining certain features for the images, whereas in, in, in let's say, deep learning methods, you kind of implicitly, the system derives that. Right. The question is which pathway are we going to go? Well, perhaps we might explore that a little yes, bit yes. further. Um, what do you mean by... For example, an, an SUV is a radionomic. It's a it's yep. a biomarker from a radionomic. Yes. But a, but you could actually just get the the system to look at the raw counts that are coming out of the system, and it could figure out if you like yep. its own idea of an SUV. Is, right, that, is right. that what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 there are conventional features, and such as SUV max, the maximum uptake in a tumor. Obviously, in a tumor segmented. To, uh, it doesn't have to be segmented. Actually, that's the beauty of SUV max. Uh, but then there are more features that do require uh, segmentation. Uh, MTV obviously is one of them, and you know there's clearly there's lots of findings that volume of a tumor might be even more predictive of outcome than SUV max and things like that. But now we're talking about even more features, right. features such as entropy, which right. quantify how uh, how disorganized the, the the uptake is, and you know uh, various features that try to understand and quantify uh, lack of homogeneity or uh, um, or heterogeneity in the, in the image. Because, for example, you could imagine that when you have a hypoxic tumor, yes, uh, clearly uh, uh, that manifests itself um, uh, typically in a particular shape in an FTG pet that is very non non-uniform. And we know hypoxic tumors tend to be more resilient to therapy. Therefore, there's a link. There's a, a biological link between a, a, a plausible idea that, okay, we're going to quantify heterogeneity and therefore try to uh, uh, predict outcome and therefore personalize therapy and things like that. So there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of activity discovering what are those features, what are those metrics, what are those um, uh, components that will allow us to better predict outcome. Yeah. Uh, to better assess whether therapy is actually working, and even to improve our diagnosis. Right. Yeah. And 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 some of those some of those ones are new metrics, and some of them are combinations of old metrics. Yeah. yeah. So you can add SUV, but you can add in the area. They can add how variable it is. You could add the texture of it. Yep. Um, you could add. 
the changes in activity over time. So you could yep. perhaps look at those yeah. sort of things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, so a lot of these features and metrics are actually coming from the computer science field and, and from other non-medical imaging applications. And then once people have, have moved them on to medical imaging, they are finding uh, 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 some of them tend to work really well, and, and that is partly because uh, they're also very reproducible. So, so when you do test, retest, they're very repeatable. They're also reproducible to segmentation, things like that. So they're very robust metrics, and therefore, uh, and aside from that, they, they are quantifying something meaningful, uh, and therefore, you know, they, they, they are working kind of uh, interestingly well. Right. And the important thing isn't, isn't the single metric, it's the combination absolutely, of them that absolutely. produces a result. So this right? film of radiomics or radiomics as, as it rhymes with genomics, etc., you know, the idea is that you're going to extract a large uh, set of features and you're going to use advanced techniques to combine them together. Uh, as you're saying, to define radiomic signatures, right. which consist of a variety of features that have come together and are able to um, um, to do something better than conventional imaging. Right, and and it's a little bit different to deep learning because often that yep. that is a black box. Yep. Right. It doesn't actually have a a number or a feature that you can point to that says yep. this is better at diagnosing. Basically, says go away, you figure it out. Yep. Come and give me a result. Absolutely, absolutely. That is that is very true, and that is something that makes people uh, somewhat uh, clinicians uncomfortable, because there's this black box, as you're saying, and it's extracting certain features that we don't necessarily even understand. Even radiomics, when you say, okay, entropy works, they'll be like, what does entropy even mean? And so there's been this big gap, and that gap is being filled up. But so something we saw, for example, in today's category called a couple of presentations is that even in deep learning, when you have this black box, when you use uh, certain backpropagation methods, you can, actually, you can actually indicate which voxels or which parts of the image were most involved in making that particular prediction. So you're actually coming up with, let's say, even a new way to segment or, or to pinpoint parts of the image that we know are really more uh, predictive of outcomes. So, so there was a lot of emphasis. If you ever want this to see the light of day in the clinic, you really want the clinicians to be able to see something, to feel something about what are the most important components of an image or you know, non-imaging features that are, that are really right. doing... And part damage. of that is combination different images. You're saying that, but one thing that can look at it say, is the tumor inside or outside the lung, for example. Uh, some of that sort of deep learning could help combine a sort of a combination of radiomics and deep learning to sort of figure absolutely, that out. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so so, so we're, we're not necessarily taking a side on which one's going to really dominate, whether it's going to be radiomics or deep learning or even a combination of the two. You could extract a lot of features and then use advanced machine learning methods to really combine those together. Or you could implicitly have the deep learning method completely extract the features. Uh, so that remains an open question, but I think there's a theme again emerging that to really make deep learning work, you need an incredible amount of data, right. which is very challenging. So with existing kinds of data that we're having right now, uh, uh, it's pretty clear that you know these other techniques, these radiomic signatures, etc., are, are, are possibly even better suited for them. Right. Yeah. So, so for example, a lot of the you know facial recognition and things like that yep. that require deep learning, they've had millions of data sets. Google have had Absolutely. millions of data sets in order to learn it. We typically, when we have a research trial, even when we've got a big research trial, you know, there may be only 50 on one side and 50 on the other, yep. or, or worse still, which is often more common, you might have a, a hundred subjects, but only 10 of them are positive, yep. right? So yep. you've got that kind of Absolutely. problem. Whereas Absolutely. by adding a metric, 
like an, a better combination of SUV type parameters, you're going to have a, something that we can use practically. Absolutely. Though there is this area of transfer learning where you are taking some of those uh, intensely uh, 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 trained networks on something completely irrelevant and you bring those over which have their, their parameters initialized uh, properly and then once you do that you can actually do really well so even for something completely unrelated like whether it's a cat or a dog if you actually take that network trained on on thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of images you bring that over and then you start to build on top of that for medical imaging, that that gives you an advantage. So that's right. that's something to think about. And we saw yeah. an example yeah. where someone used a pile of CTs yep. to do the training and then applied that to an MRI. Absolutely. And, and that's so so within uh, between different modalities, the one challenge that or one major challenge that we are now having uh, is the fact that uh, uh, we're dealing with 3D images, right. whereas the literature that's out there is, is typically dealing with, with with natural images and therefore 2D images, etc. So really, to to come in and deal with 3D images, there's a whole frontier that needs to be to to, to be discovered on how to do this the, the best possible right. way. A lot of the things we talked about, or we saw, were about problems related to that. Um, um, what are some of the problems that related to to both deep learning and radiomics? What are what are those sorts of things? Yeah. So so so. I think a key thing that is being emphasized over and over again and, and, and thankfully more and more people are realizing is the importance of doing systematic, you know, harmonized, reproducible uh, research where first of all we, we, when we are publishing results we know we're, we're using common language, language that's meaningful. Uh, there was one example given that entropy has many different uh, 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 variations and also even different sources and different different definitions. So, so, so we have to be using the same language. We have to really be be processing our images in a standardized right. uh, way. Uh, and and so, 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 so on, on multiple fronts, um, we, we just have to be very consistent. Otherwise, you know, we're publishing things left and right, and people are not able to reproduce that work. Uh, because either they don't even understand what we're doing, or secondly, um, what we're doing is doing uh, overfitting, we're doing false discovery, we're not statistically doing the right thing, so we're, we're kind of doing data fishing. Right. We're, uh, we're kind of disco discovering things that are not really there, right. uh, and uh, we just have to be more systematic about what we're doing. Right. But also in terms of, we talked about quality controllers, Absolutely. how do you pet camera properly, how do you calibrate properly, make sure your injection to scan times are, are correct. I mean, I think not only do them correctly, but record them correctly. Yep. So I think, you know, systems that double check those, uh, uh, you know, data curation, so that those Absolutely. sorts of things Absolutely. are correct. Yep. Yep. And, and I think those kind of things affected. But the other thing was image reconstruction. That seemed to make a really big difference. Yep. Absolutely. And everybody has a whole variety of different image reconstruction values and and often the best reconstruction value for a machine is going to be different to the best reconstruction for a human observer would that be a fair comment yeah yeah absolutely absolutely that's a big challenge too again there's two 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 possible approaches to this that we try to sort of make the different centers try to come up with similar reconstructions that are producing similar quality kinds of images and radiomics, that's pretty challenging to really get lots and lots of centers to really uh, produce same kinds of images. 
there are efforts on that front. Another one is that, okay, let's say we are producing really different kinds of images you know, with different iterations that don't necessarily match in terms of, you know, things that, w that we care about. But then post-processing, what can we do to harmonize the images? Right. So there's so also the correction yeah. factors, right? Absolutely. And, and that's not exactly clear how to do that, especially as you move towards radiomics and all these various features that you're having. But that's a, certainly an interesting challenge. There are some groups that are trying to tackle that, but it remains to be seen what, how, how, they, uh, how they do. The other approach in deep learning is to say, let's go back one step further. Let's not have different reconstructions. Let's deal with the unreconstructed data and Absolutely. see if we can use that, because then you're not going to have variations in reconstruction. You've got a variation in your instrument, yep. but you haven't got variations in reconstruction. Absolutely. I think that's also an incredibly interesting area. The challenge, of course, is that you know we're having in, enough challenges sharing images now, trying to share raw data. Right. But that's pretty uh, interesting. There's now some really uh, uh, fresh off the press efforts that are trying to do deep learning-based, uh, purely deep learning-based reconstruction. They're just looking at the the raw data, trying to create images. What you're saying would be. Uh, even beyond that, you use the raw data to go all the way to the radiomic features and, and to try to really uh, improve uh, the, the uh, uh, assessment of disease. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that's we could do that now, but we, yeah. again, you were like, PET scans about what it's going to be ten gigabytes instead of an image, whereas a DICOM image is is, is only a few Absolutely. kilobytes. So we've got those sorts of issues as well, I guess. But data is getting cheaper. Bigger data centers are getting cheaper. The world runs on data, so maybe that can work. I think people need to step out of their shells. And different, and I think there's increasing awareness about this. Uh, we have to sort of work towards a common goal, and that is to improve healthcare. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, we have to step out. We have to share. Uh, we have to uh, have a bigger picture right. of, of what's key. And I think that just needs to happen. And I think there are some good signs that this is happening. Right. So I mean, I'm involved with, for example, Adni and Able, which are the big yep. data sharing sites for amyloid imaging. But there's similar sites that have looked at MRI data. There's similar that looked at, looked at other features and they seem to be working and a lot of the people come from left field. We had an example there where a, a venture capitalist was the person who produced one of the best uh, methods of analysing some images. Yep. Um, you know, you know do, doing their yep. uh, stuff they use for predicting the stock market. Absolutely. You've you got people that are not even medical imaging experts. They're coming in and we have one example today. They, yeah. they, they outperform because of their incredible expertise. They outperform any other groups that are competing in the area from the medical background and, and uh, you know, initially you might be like, whoa, 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 what does that even mean? But th this is happening. We're seeing this uh, happen over and over again and that again un un underscores the importance of, of sharing of data and letting other expertise to come in and for us to just work together as a community to, to improve right. healthcare. Care. And it's not just images, right? So absolutely, a lot of the ways those, those were improved was when you added in a blood test to an image value or, yep. a, or an age or a, or a sex or all those other Yep. kind of parameters yep. if we have all the more information and the more segments for example if you had SUV the raw SUV values for each of the pixels that's going to be better than just having an SU, single SUV max number yep. if you've got more of that more bits and pieces of data absolutely. that you can work on it better would that be a fair comment absolutely and there was a very nice talk today by Dr. Slomka from Cedar Sinai today where they're doing a very impressive amount of work, multi-center study, lots of lots of groups working together, lots of data, and they are uh, combining uh, non-imaging and imaging. 
And to go back to the previous point that I made, uh, they are actually reporting you know, which of these features are the most important ones that are helping in, 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 in doing the particular task they're interested in. So, so uh, absolutely, no question about right. that. And this yeah. is not theoretical anymore. We saw an example, for example, in cardiac where they're, where they're actually saying, let's do a stress test first, use the, because I can't get it reported quickly enough, I use a, uh, a computer system to, to, uh, to report it, if you like, but with a very high threshold for sensitivity, but not, not specificity, yep. so yep. they know whether to do the rest or not. And they found they had better results than if they put a human in the, in the role. So I think that's a really good place because it's not actually giving the diagnosis but it's making it safer for the patient by reducing the radiation dose yep. and and using it in a fair and not missing any because and not missing any yep yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so I so I think it, it looks it looks optimistic. I think good things are happening. People are being more systematic about it. You know, uh, nowadays, uh, thankfully, you're, you're not really seeing as you used to see papers being published with a single uh, uh, single set where you're doing the optimization on it and the evaluation and right, testing right. everything on the same thing. No, we're clearing two or three distinct data sets. We're kind of you know, we're getting results that, that are more believable, yeah. but still there's a longer way to go. There's a lot to go, and there's a lot more data that needs to be brought in. I kind of like this quotation, which is kind of an exaggeration, you know, it's, and I showed it today. It says, uh, the cure for cancer is data. And uh, um, I like it because it at least emphasizes that we're not going to have, you know, we are not going to go where we would like to go unless we kind of really... Uh, this is a necessary, uh, of course not a sufficient condition, it's a necessary condition for us to, to just come together to share and to just do systematic uh, reproducible research. Yeah, and and we're doing it. I mean, and nuclear yeah. medicine's been at the heart of this since the very beginning. The first, the first widely applied uh, work was really on using cardiac to analysing. That's, yep. That goes back, what, 30 years? Mm -hmm. So it's quite amazing. And, and that's the standard has been for a long time. Yep. So I think we can do this, but just do it better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I really appreciate your talk. Well, you thank you. Anything else you add would you, to the talk? Um, I think the, the, I would say the future is bright. Yes. Uh, we just have to keep uh, working together. Again, stepping outside of our own comfort zones and our, of our own um, shells and, yes. and, and just uh, making this field move forward. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the farmer and the cowman should be friends. <laughs> we should we should get we sh we should work together and we should make these things work. And Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of doctors are afraid of data, but they should embrace it and use it. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you very thank much. You. Okay. All right. <laughs>